1: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Let's get back into the minimum wage debate right now, though, and uh, certainly it's been an issue here in Alberta and a very uh, audacious uh, plan by the Alberta government to jack up Alberta's minimum wage to $15 an hour by next year, uncharted territory in a lot of ways. Who knows? Maybe Alberta's better positioned to to absorb that than some other jurisdictions. But for whatever reason, 15 seems to be the magic number these days. Uh, Ontario's uh, going that direction, number of U.S. jurisdictions are as well. Now, notably, that includes Seattle. Uh, and to Seattle's credit, they at least made a plan going into all of this that let's have some provisions so that we're studying this along the way. And so that recent study that came out, Uh, showing that uh, it's really hit the earnings of low-wage earners in Seattle. It's been kind of a wake-up call, I think, or it should have been. But does this make sense to charge down this path if the the costs uh, of minimum wage increases or 15 an hour outweigh the benefits? What are we doing? Who are we helping? So certainly we should be pointing all of this out, and we should have an open and honest discussion about what's entailed in this policy decision, but... Maybe not, it seems. Uh, New op-ed from our next guest notes how it's uh, now considered fear-mongering to point out the downside of $15 an hour. Joining us on the line is uh, Charles LeMam. He is uh, Fraser Institute's Director of Fiscal Studies, FraserInstitute.org. Charles, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rob. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, so what, what do you make of the debate? That, you know, I mean, look, the minimum wage debate, we've been having it for for a very long time, but everything we've mm-hmm. seen since that Seattle report and what we heard from Loblaw's recently, what do you make of it?
0: Well, uh, you know, a lot of the research that's been done over the years and the evidence hasn't changed, uh, certainly not in Canada. When when looking at the minimum wage, researchers consistently find that past minimum wage hikes have reduced employment opportunities for the least skilled workers in the population. Um, Oftentimes we're talking about young workers between the ages of 15 to 24. They tend to get hurt by minimum wage uh, hikes because they're not as productive as their older counterparts. So they don't have the job experience, the skills, uh, to warrant a higher, a significantly higher uh, wage and as a result they're the ones who lose out on employment opportunities. Either their jobs are cut altogether, they lose uh, hours uh, to their more productive uh, colleagues and so I mean the research in Canada finds consistently that this is the, this is the reality when we have higher minimum wages about a 10% increase can reduce employment opportunities for young workers between three and six percent. My sense is that now going to to $15 an hour, certainly in Alberta and, and, and Ontario and, and other jurisdictions that are considering it, will suffer the same fate. I mean, Ontario is a bit different um, in, in, in the sense that they're going to increase their minimum wage by 32%. And they're doing this over just 18 months. So I think I anticipate the adverse effects on employment to be much larger there because businesses are just not going to have the same kind of time to adjust to this much higher uh, minimum wage rate.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's a lot of Canadian evidence, as you point to, and you, your piece uh, notes that, uh, in fact, just, uh, just in July, we just had another new study exactly. come out looking at Canadian provinces, much the same thing.
0: Rob, there's been 20 studies uh, looking at minimum wage hikes in Canada uh, over the last uh, 30 uh, or so years. There's been 20 in total, and every single one of those studies, academic studies, comes to the conclusion that higher minimum wages reduce job opportunities for low-skilled workers. Um, To say that there isn't any evidence that, that this happens, Is just being disingenuous. Uh, and, and look, the, the most recent evidence, there was just a study that came out by University of Waterloo professors where they looked at 185 instances where provinces raised their minimum wages over a 30-year period, and, and they found that the, the higher minimum wages of 10% resulted in up to a 4% reduction in employment opportunities for teenage workers. So again, more evidence uh much of the same as the others uh other studies that we've seen from from academics over the years and i think it's time for us to start recognizing this reality and judging the policy the minimum wage policy based on the evidence not on the intention i think most people including myself Want to figure out ways that we can help the working poor. The issue, though, is that we don't want to rely on our, on our intentions uh, for for driving our policy recommendations. We want to base our recommendations on the evidence. And clearly, the evidence shows that the minimum wage is, re- is really not the right tool uh, to help the working poor.
1: Right, and that that's an interesting point because you know if we're, we're just if we have a minimum wage just as some sort of arbiter of what we consider a fair wage to be paid for anybody who does a job that is just that's what it's there for that's one thing but if we're, we're doing it because we believe it's an effective anti-poverty tool yeah. well, that's a whole other question so yeah. what does the evidence tell i think the evidence tells us it's a pretty lousy way of fighting poverty
0: it's, it's it's lousy for so many reasons but first understand this and i think this might be uh, a bit surprising to to the listeners nine of every 10 minimum wage earners in all of Canada. Are living in low income, are living in a household that is considered to be low income, a proxy for for poverty. So, not sorry, sorry, nine of ten are not considered uh, to be living in low income. So, the, the fact that we have this, what I think is, is a very counterintuitive finding, warrants a little bit of discussion. Why is it that most minimum wage earners are not part of low income households? The reality is about 60% of all minimum wage earners in Canada are young people between the ages of 15 to 24. They're not living on their own. They're not the primary uh, bread earner in their family. They're living with their parents uh, in, in 90% of the cases. For another 20% of minimum wage earners, they have a spouse who earns more than the minimum wage. So this this notion that we have single parents supporting their children earning the minimum wage and being the sole uh, bread earner in their family is absolutely not in line with the evidence. In fact, just 2% of all minimum wage earners in Canada are single parents with young kids. So this 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 is, I think, what is a very important insight, that most minimum wage earners are part of a larger household with other earners, and for the most part they tend to be young, young workers, explains in part why this is not a policy that is effectively going to reduce uh, poverty. For starters, it doesn't actually target people who are poor. It's targeting, in many cases, you know, middle-class families that have kids living uh, at home, uh, working a part-time job when they're going to school. That's not the kind of policy tool that we need uh, to help the working poor. And if we're serious about doing so, let's talk about other alternatives that can actually do the job.
1: Yeah. Well, it's certainly not a focused way. I mean, maybe along the way, maybe you do end up uh, helping certain poor individuals, but uh, you're, you're helping a whole lot of other people who, who don't necessarily need need the help, or not, not for those reasons.
0: You're helping people that are fortunate enough to retain their jobs and their hours right. after a minimum wage hike. What, what the Seattle experience found, and you, you referenced the study earlier, Rob, that when the minimum wage was increased, uh, because of the reduction in hours available for, for low-wage workers to work, their earnings, which is... The hours they work, they work times the new minimum wage actually went down. So it, it's, to, it's not only that you retain your job after a minimum wage and then you benefit. It's really whether the new wage times your new hours is going to be higher than it, than it otherwise would have been. And in the case of Seattle, the research showed that, in fact, earnings went down when the minimum wage went up, and that's because of the, uh, the, the negative effects on employment.
1: You know, there's another side of this, too, because uh, Loblaw is a big company. They own right. I mean, superstore out here, and they own Shoppers Drug Mart. And yeah, I mean, it's owned or largely owned by by a wealthy family. But um, they, they came out and said, look, I mean, once this goes through in, in Ontario and Alberta, this is what's going to cost us. And when you look yeah. at what their, their earnings are, their profits, I mean, it's, it's a big chunk of their profits. So, okay, maybe they, they can swallow that. Maybe they don't have to fire people. But What if prices go up? And Charles, when things get more expensive, it seems to me that the poor people we're trying to help, if we make it harder for them to buy the necessities of life, again, how how are we helping them?
0: Right, so there's a lot lot to unpack there. Uh, For starters, not all minimum wage employers are big companies like Loblaws. Uh, We have to understand that in many cases we're talking about small businesses. Small businesses that are working on very thin margins, and when you talk about, uh, in the case of Ontario, raising the minimum wage by thirty-two percent in eighteen months, that's a pretty big cost uh, to to be able to deal with. Uh, and so, I think it's for the, particularly for those small businesses that that have, uh, will have some some major challenges in adjusting uh, to a fifteen-dollar uh, minimum wage. And of course, even with large companies, they're going to have uh, challenges if, particularly if they're operating in an industry that's very competitive. They can't simply uh, absorb the higher uh, labor costs. They may pass them on to their consumers. And unfortunately, it's going to be whoever consumes their product who will be paying for the higher uh, minimum wage. The fact is that raising the minimum wage produces economic consequences. I mean, that's a fact of life. Who bears uh, the costs of those uh, of, of the policy? Uh, you know is, is is an open question. It can be the workers themselves who lose out um, on the job opportunities. It can be the consumers of of the companies that are trying to manage uh, the higher labor costs. but ultimately, there are consequences if there weren 't any consequences then of course, we would all support a fifty or a hundred dollar minimum wage well, but but it, but that 's not the way the world works because as the price of things goes up. People will consume less of it. The same—it's uh, the same operating assumption uh, for employers. If their costs are going to go up, and if their employers are not going to become magically more productive in, in ways that increase the value for the to the bottom line, something's got to give. Something's got to give. And, and oftentimes, what we what the evidence tells us is that it results in fewer. Opportunities to work, and it's particularly the least skilled workers that are that are hurt, the most vulnerable, the people that have a lot of education, the people that have a lot of job job experience, they don't get affected by minimum wage increases. It's the ones that are the that are that are the most vulnerable, that have the least amount of skills, the least qualifications, and and you know this the study that was just put out uh, last week is is talking about how increasingly now uh, immigrants, new immigrant immigrants to Canada, are being adversely affected by minimum wage laws because they have oftentimes difficulties learning the language, uh, getting the, the job experience that's recognized here, having their credentials recognized, and they're now getting uh, adversely affected uh, by minimum wage hikes. So it's really it's these, these, these vulnerable populations that are getting hurt by uh, this policy.
1: And this one size fits all approach. I think maybe the Seattle data tells us that maybe they hit their upper limit, and and that's why there, there were consequences. And maybe even within Alberta, maybe uh, you know different minimum wages would make more sense in in different jurisdictions. We seem to have decided that we're just going to have this magical fifteen dollars yeah. an hour, and it makes yeah. sense everywhere. But it, it you know there's no one size fits all approach here. Is no, it?
0: that's 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 right. This, this 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 I mean it is an arbitrary target. Uh, to be frank, I mean it's one that's um, you know being used because it's it's. it's It's catching steam across uh, North America, but there's really no uh, economic significance to a $15 minimum wage. And and, and as you point out, the minimum wage matters and and will have different effects in different regions of the world because – to the extent that we see these uh, negative economic consequences, it really depends on how high the prevailing minimum wage is relative to overall wages in, in that jurisdiction. So. It, just to put it, I'd give you an example, a $15 minimum wage in Alberta will have very different effects than a $15 minimum wage in, say, Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island has generally lower wages, so having a higher minimum wage there means the impact would be more severe as employers have a more difficult uh, time making the adjustment. In Alberta, for example, because their minimum wage, or sorry, their their average wages tend to be higher, the effect would be less so at a $15 uh, wage rate. There'll still be some effects, but, but not as strong as uh, at Prince Edward Island. So it really depends upon the local labor market conditions when we're assessing the effect of uh, higher minimum wages. Seattle is really interesting because this is a generally high wage jurisdiction. And during the period in which the city raised the minimum wage, there was a boom happening in Seattle, uh, mainly driven by a construction and tech uh, boom. And so that was actually cushioning some of the adverse effects from the higher minimum wage. They were better able to absorb it because of the the general high wages and and boom that was occurring in the the city.
1: Really interesting, Charles. We'll leave it there. More at FraserInstitute.org. Thanks for joining us here. Appreciate it. Great, thank you. Take care. Charles Lamam, Director of Fiscal uh, Studies at the Fraser Institute. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.